This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Tonight I'd like to begin our learning together in advance of uh, Yom Kippur with an amazing story that I heard in the name of Rav Simcha Bonim of Pshischa. The story is told of a man named Isaac. Isaac lived in Krakow and Isaac had a dream. And Isaac's dream was that under a bridge in Prague, in a certain location, likely the Charles Bridge in Prague, the famous bridge in Prague, there would be a location under the bridge in which a treasure box would be found. And he decided the dream seemed so real, seemed so tangible, that he decided to live out literally his dream. And he gathered up some money. He was not a wealthy individual, but he gathered up some money and he headed off to Prague to be able to locate what hopefully would be this treasure box. And he travels to Prague and he locates the area which he remembers he's able to recall his dream. And he takes his shovel and he starts to dig. And much to his chagrin and his disappointment, there was no treasure box to be found. And he's sitting there dejected. He's feeling downtrodden and depressed and understandably so. And as he's sitting there, not really knowing what he's done, wasted all this money and time and effort traveling to no avail, a non-Jewish individual sees him, sees him upset. He walks over and says, is everything okay? And Isaac proceeds to explain that he had had this dream. He comes from all the way from Krakow. He had this dream. And in this dream, there was a treasure box to be found under a bridge. So he decided to live out his dream. And he traveled the long distance to Prague, dug up under where he thought was the location of the treasure box, only to discover that there was nothing to be found. The non-Jewish individual starts to laugh. And the non-Jewish individual says, are you crazy? People get dreams all the time. You want to hear a dream that I had? So Isaac says, sure. He said, you know, I, I live in Prague and I had a dream that there's some guy named Isaac who lives in Krakow, who under the oven in his house, there's a treasure box. Now, do you think I really believe this? Do you really think that there's some guy named Isaac living in Krakow who has a treasure box that would be located under the oven? Come on, no one believes in these types of dreams. All of a sudden, Isaac hears, can't believe his own hearing. My name is Isaac, and I live in Krakow. So he goes home, and lo and behold, he removes his oven, and he digs under the oven, and he finds that, in fact, there was a treasure box. Says, We oftentimes, when we're looking for inspiration, we're looking for self-help, we're looking for advice to improve our lives, and we look in so many different places. When in reality, many of the answers that we're looking for can be found right under our noses. The same way that Isaac went so far to find out that that which he was looking for could be found right under his oven. We oftentimes look for messages. We look for inspiration. We look for chizuk from other places when in reality, that inspiration can be found right under our nose. And of course, I'm referring to our Torah. And so what what we're going to do tonight is... As we prepare 72 hours before Yom Kippur, we're preparing for the Yom HaKapara, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to determine Mi Yechia or Mi Yamus. So when you look at Yom Kippur, when you approach Yom Kippur, we oftentimes go in just through the lens of, through the portal, through the entry of, Pachad, fear, Amav, on reverence. And that's true. Yom Kippur is a day of reverence. Yom Kippur is a day of fear. 
But I think that if we would build ourselves up sometimes in a more positive way, if we would realize what our capacities, what our capabilities are, we are likely going to far exceed what we're capable of knowing our kochos. And so tonight, instead of going the route of the pachad and yira uh, travel or journey, we are going to go through a different portal, through a different entry point that is much more positive, that will hopefully allow us to uncover the capacities, the capabilities that we have. The Torah and Parshas Bereshis that we're all familiar with highlights and records the story of Cain and Hevel. Cain and Hevel, the first children to be birthed, to be born to Adam and Chava, Cain initiates and decides that he's going to give a present to Hashem. The Pasuk says, yamim, Cain. Cain brought me priha adama from the fruits of the land, Minchal Hashem. He makes a decision, he initiates, he considers this to be a lofty aspiration to bring a carbon of fruits to Hashem. Seems like a pretty good idea, seems to be pretty something pretty impressive. Seems to be something that he's giving that should be uh, praised and he should receive tremendous accolade for. And yet, the Hashem does not accept this carbon. We know that in subsequent psukim, the Torah tells us, Vehevi, Vehevel Hevi. Hevel decides he sees Cain bringing a carbon, a carbon of fruits, a present to the Ribbon Shalom. Hevel decides, I too want to bring, and I'm going to bring from the firstborns of my, of my sheep. And for some reason, Cain's are rejected and Hevel's are accepted. And you have to ask yourself why that is. If anything, whether Cain's was more or less expensive where there was value, perhaps there was more value maybe to Hevel's more than Cain's, but Cain seems to be the initiator. Cain seems to be the person who makes a decision to give a present to Hashem. And yet it's Hevel whose carbon is ultimately received positively. And of course, we know the rest of the story. This serves as the catalyst for Cain to ultimately murder his own brother. And the rest of the story, as we know it, of course, is history. And so the Slonim Rebbe, Zuchusayogin Aleinu, and his very well-known, very powerful savior of Nesiva Shalom asks, why is it that Cain's is rejected and Hevel's is accepted? And Nesiva Shalom, like he does many, many times, picks up on a key word or a key phrase that opens our eyes to the distinction and the approach of Cain versus the approach of Hevel. And he says, take a look at one word. And that word is Tzono. Hevel brought from the firstlings of his sheep, as opposed to Cain, where it says, Mipri Ha'adama. What's the difference between Hevel's and Cain's? Says the Nesiva Shalom, says the Slonim Rebbe, when you go ahead and you give a carbon, you give a present, you give something to Hashem, but it's something ancillary, it's something peripheral, it's not something that's a part of who you are, it's simply as the Torah describes, Mipri Ha'adama, Says Hashem, that's very nice, but you didn't give me a part of who you are. You weren't self-sacrificing, or as we would call it, you're not being Moser Nefesh. You're not giving something of who you are. It didn't take a lot of Mesiris Nefesh, self-sacrifice to give this to me. You simply gave something basic, something fundamental to you, but not something that you felt terribly connected to. As opposed to, says the Slon of Rebbe, when the Torah records what Hevel brought, it says specifically, It says that he gave from his sheep. He felt connected. He was a shepherd. It was his stock. It was his cattle. 
It was something that he felt very beloved to, something that he felt very invested in. And despite feeling so invested, says the Torah, Hevel recognizes that when I feel invested, despite that, I want to give that to the Ribbon Shalom. I'm willing to give a piece of who I am to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, explains the Slana Mareba. That type of carbon, that type of present is a present that I'm going to accept. You see, the way to do tshuva, the way to establish, cement, and concretize a relationship with Hashem can't be something that's coincidental. Can't be something that's incidental. It has to be something that is intentional. It has to be something where you are giving from yourself, where there's a part of you that you would love to hold on to, but you realize that in life, meaningful relationships means you have to give something. Just like in a, a marriage, both spouses have to give. It can't possibly be one-sided. Otherwise, it's not going to be a successful marriage like that type of relationship or for that matter, any relationship. If it's always going to be one-sided, it's not going to be successful. Only a person who's willing to give of himself, only a person who's willing to have self-sacrifice and mesiras nefesh, someone who recognizes that to have a valuable and meaningful relationship, you have to be willing to give. That says the Nesiva Shalom, based on this Pasuk, is the only type of relationship that's going to last. And as we head into Yom Kippur, we have to start asking ourselves, what have we given? What could we be giving? How can we commit to a stronger, more meaningful relationship to Hashem, with Hashem? And the problem, of course, is, the problem, of course, is that when we start to think of trying to establish or trying to reconnect or trying to cement a relationship with Hashem, it's extremely daunting. It seems insurmountable. Certainly during the time of Aser Simei when we're evaluating all of the actions, all of our behaviors, and if we're really honest and we had to give a hard look to ourselves in a mirror, we realize that we're not as good as we'd like to think we are. We say to ourselves, how do we even get there? How are we supposed to establish such a relationship? How are we supposed to go ahead and try to be Moser Nefesh? We feel so far away from Hashem. And so I'd like to tell you what the expectation that I believe based on the Torah I'm going to share with you that Hashem has of us. <clears throat> the Torah says, Hakim Takim Imo. In Parshas Kisetze, the Torah records the following halacha. If one were to be on a road and they would see another person with their animal, and that animal had fallen down, a large animal can't get up on its own, and the owner of the animal certainly does not have the physical abilities to elevate, to lift this animal. And you're walking on the road and you notice this. The Torah tells us, Hakim takimimo, you are obligated to go and assist the owner of this animal. That's a halacha brought down in Parshish Kisetze. Rashi has a fantastic, phenomenal, fascinating comment based on the words of this Pasuk. And he says as follows, that if the owner of the animal says to the person who's ready to help, listen, this is your mitzvah, I'm going to sit back and have a Coke, I could use a breather anyway. After all, it's your mitzvah, so why don't you go ahead and run with it? I'm going to sit back and relax. Says Rashi, that person who was ready to help is no longer obligated. He's not obligated anymore. How do you know? Where do you see that in the Pasuk? Says Rashi because the Pasuk says, Hakim Takim Imo. That you have to help it to, to lift the animal with him. If the owner of the animal is not going to help himself, then the one who's prepared to assist is no longer responsible or obligated to do so. A person is only going to be obligated to help 
when the owner of this animal is ready to help himself. Says the Kotzke Rebbe something unbelievable. And the Kotzke Rebbe says, we learned something amazing from this Rashi based on this Pasuk. Says the Kotzke Rebbe, if this is true, that the halach is that the one who wants to help out is not obligated unless the person, the owner, helps himself, kal v'chomer. How much more so, if we want HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help us out, we've got to be willing to help ourselves out. If we say to ourselves, it's too overwhelming, there's too much here, there's no way for me to be able to overcome this, and we just simply expect the Rebona Shalom to do it for us, says the Kotzker based on this Rashi, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Hakim takimimo. Hashem only helps those who help themselves. So what does that mean? What does it mean Hashem only helps, helps those to help themselves? Are we expected to go from point A to point Z overnight? How could we possibly have such a reformation, such a 180 in such a short period of time? And so we know the Gemara in Shabbos tells us that Kuf Dalid, so the Gemara tells us HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not expect a 180. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't even necessarily mean you have to have some significant leap in a short period of time. What Hashem expects is you take the first step. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us, based on the Gemara, if you are willing to initiate, if you are willing to take that first step to enter into a world of purity, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to help you out. The same way the Kutzker says Pshat and Hakim Takimimo, Hashem will help us if we help ourselves. It doesn't mean we got to go all the way. The owner of the animal doesn't have to go all the way either. But you got to exert effort. You got to initiate. You got to be willing to take the bulls by the horn. And that's what says the Ramban. What the Pasik means when it says Umal Hashem is Zarecha. The Torah says that Hashem guarantees. He commits to the reality that He will assist. He will help us circumcise our hearts with one caveat, with one disclaimer, with one condition. And that is, and the Ramban quotes this, You gotta take the first step. HaKadosh Baruch Hu recognizes we're human beings. He's built us that way. We have strengths and we have weaknesses. It's difficult to reform. It's difficult to remedy or to rectify a behavior. It's not simple to be able to address an area of weakness. And therefore, to do a 180 is an unreasonable expectation that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would never have. However, you got to take the first step. you got to be willing to initiate. you got to be willing, and it's hard, but you got to be willing to be Moser Nefesh. Mesiris Nefesh, as we said in the Nesiva Shalom, is the name of the game. That first step is going to take Mesiris Nefesh. You take that first step, and it'll take you the rest of the way. We have so much at stake, and we have so many kochos. We have the ability to be able to turn things around. We've got to take the first step. So many people oftentimes feel that truth is so daunting. How am I going to be able to leave behind the iniquities, the transgressions, the averos that I've committed? They're going to follow me around. I really want to be Moser Nefesh. I really want to take that first step, but it's so, so difficult. How am I going to be able to take that first step into my new reality and leave everything else behind? Isn't it going to follow me? And I want to share with you an incredible metaphor, a beautiful mushal of the Degel Machen Ephraim, the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. The Degel Machne Ephraim tells us something unbelievable. And he tells us that Shula is something that is so incredibly supernatural, it is so unique, it is miraculous. It's like the following situation. 
When you walk into a dark house and you turn the light on, so for a couple of seconds, your eyes have to adjust to the light. But after a few seconds, it is the rooms, the house are completely illuminated and there's no trace of darkness anywhere. There's no feeling of darkness and you don't even remember that it was dark just a few short seconds ago. Says the Daigle Machin Ephraim, that's tshuva. When you make, when you do, when you initiate a genuine, authentic repentance, it's like turning the light on after being in a dark house. You think that the dark is going to follow you. You think that the transgressions, the averes are going to follow you. The minute you turn the light on, the minute you do tshuva, the minute you take that first step and your most or nefesh as difficult as it is and we're all capable of it, all of the chataim, all of our averos, all of our iniquities, all of the things that we've done wrong are going to dissipate. They're going to fly away. And within just a few seconds, you're not going to be able to trace them. We have such incredibly positive capacities. We have so many opportunities. We have so many kochos. We have so many talents that we have to tap into. If we would only discover, if we'd only explore, if we'd only uncover and reveal them to ourselves, we'd be able to develop so much of a stronger, more meaningful relationship with Hashem. But we're so hard on ourselves. And we feel like we don't have it in ourselves. But yet the Torah is telling us, Hakim takimimo. Hashem only hopes to help those who help themselves. We know that we have to be most or nefesh by taking that first step and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take us the rest of the way. We can't worry about the traces of darkness that are going to dissipate behind us because just in a few short while, in a few short seconds, after having done shuva, like the light being lit and illuminating the room without a trace of darkness, doing shuva will dissipate, will dissolve all of the things that we have experienced. You know, I saw a beautiful insight. Uh, somebody quoted in the name of one person. I actually looked it up in that Sefer, so I'm not going to quote it by name because I don't read it the same way, but I, as a result, came up with a, with a beautiful idea based on the Kriya Satora that we read uh, over, the, over Rosh Hashanah. We read, on one of the days of Rosh Hashanah, we read, V'Hashem Pakares Sara, that Hashem remembered Sara, who was an Akara, was a barren individual. She could not have children and Hashem, Hashem remembered her. Hashem remembered her. Now, the real reason or the logistical reason or the practical reason why Chazal decided to designate one of the days of Rosh Hashanah to read Vashem is because we believe that, that the day that in which we, they found out, Avram found out, that Sarah was going to have a child was on Rosh Hashanah. But I heard an amazing, amazing insight as to another reason why we read Vashem Bakadah Sarah. You see, Sarah had no business having a child. The woman was 90 years old. It could not possibly be explained based on medical uh, opportunities or it was something that would not possibly be facilitated no matter how many treatments you would attempt to get. She was not meant to have a child. That wasn't meant to be. That was not in her cards. HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided on Rosh Hashanah that year that now she, he was going to determine that Sarah was going to have a child. HaKadosh Baruch Hu took something that was meant to be impossible and made it possible. That is the Aseris Yimei Tshuva. That's Rosh Hashanah. That's the Aseris Yimei Tshuva culminating with Yom Kippur. Tshuva can take that which is impossible and make it possible. Tshuva has a supernatural ability. As the Gemara tells us, you can do Tshuva and if you do it the right way, it could literally turn all of your Arveros all of your transgressions into zechuyos, into merits. If you do a genuine repentance, you can literally flip the world on its head. 
says the says this this insight from that I heard that that's pshat Hashem pakares sara. Hashem pakares are the same way that Hakadosh Baruch Hu took something that on the surface, on an objective level, according to what you can see, took something that was impossible and made it possible. Chazal utilizes this kriyasa Torah to be misorer to awaken within us that same reality. That Shuva has the capacity, has the ability to take that which is impossible and make it possible. We can't give up. We have to realize that we have it inside us. We have, as Hevel did, Mibicharos Tsono, as the Nesiva Shalom says. We have the ability to be Moser Nefesh. We have the ability, as the Kutzker says, to be able to take that first step. We are able to leave our Averus behind us, like the mushal, the parable, the metaphor of the Degamach and Ephraim, when we turn the light on in the house and there are no longer traces of Choshech. And we have the ability to realize that the same way HaKadosh Baruch Hu was able to take a situation like Sora that had no good explanation of how she could possibly have a child, HaKadosh Baruch Hu took the impossible and made it possible. The same is true when we do tshuva. We can look at ourselves, we can look at that in the mirror, we can confront the areas in our lives in which we could have done a better job and we can feel downtrodden, we can feel like Isaac, or we can realize that it's right under our nose. We can realize that at the end of the day, if we just begin to open our eyes, begin to develop self, some self-confidence in ourselves, realize what we're capable of, then we are going to be able to have a successful tshuva. Wishing all of you a good gebench dior, a year that Hashem answers all of your tefillos latova, a year in which you can begin to take a more active role, as we spoke about last week, take initiative, as we spoke about this week, understanding that Hashem is in our corner, not expecting us to do the 180, but just to take that first step of Mesiras Nefesh, realizing that we can leave everything behind, and with that, we are sure and guaranteed to have a successful year ahead. Thank you so much for listening.